Hello and welcome. My name is Mark Blatstein. I'm the physician who created Physician Pre-Sentence Report Service. And today I'm going to discuss the enforcement of healthcare, specifically an article that was written uh, last week. Department of Justice, Antitrust, and HHS enter into partnership, which is all part of a larger white-collar task force that it has been making news on all over the criminal justice map, if you will. And so the Office of Inspector General authorized under various federal laws that they are just going to be going full bore ahead and peeking into the background of what all of us are doing so that whether you are the CEO or executive within a large healthcare system or insurance carrier or hospital system, a large medical group or an individual physician if you feel that you're the target of an FBI, FBI infect, infection, if it target of an FBI investigation, and you're not convinced, or that people are telling you that the FBI is asking questions, I'd be concerned. And the first thing is getting a great white-collar criminal defense lawyer or someone who you trust. And the options are going to be two at that point. Is that you're either going to consider going to trial or plea. You don't know what the case is yet. <clears throat> but the one thing you do know is that at this point, the FBI has nailed everything down. And if there's if they're beating the bushes around the edges of where you work, then they're sure they've got you. If you go to the trial, it's going to be in the hundreds of thousands of dials, dollars. You go to trial, the goal is to win. And if you lose the prosecution is going to want payback. So if you're confident and you and your attorney are confident, stay strong. Before you pick your attorney, I would interview several and ask questions. The first being is that you like to speak to a couple of their happy clients about cases similar to yours. And chances are they should be willing to do that. Before I had a hip transplant, I wanted to talk to some hip transplant surgeons. And so here, too, you know, they should be okay with that. In addition, what you also want to do is you'd like to read a several sentence memorandums that they have done regarding cases similar to yours. And that's because this is a document they submit a week before you're sentenced. And you want to make sure that they're each are different. Because if they look they're set the same in the boilerplate, Chances are the judges know that too. And that doesn't go good for you. But we've taken care of that. So what happens after the guilty plea? Well, your attorney is going to ex expect or the probation officer controls your future at this point. And what they do is conduct the pre-sentence interview 
then do their investigation, and then they write the pre-sentence report, which can sway the judge in court regarding your sentence and length of time in prison. So your attorney at this point wants to be, be able to be the one that has first contact after guilty, and they have to identify who's going to be your probation officer, and then they have to call them and talk to them. Because, because they want to have first contact with them before they have been tainted by either what the prosecution has to the prosecutor has to say, or by what they read about you on Google online. Because the Department of Justice has not been put out put online anything flattering about you at this point. It's all it's all been really not good to hear. And so when they when your attorney speaks with the probation officer, probation officers are never have enough time. They're over overworked and just very busy. But your your attorney can still ask them when is a convenient time for the interview to take place. Then they can ask them what documents do you need to have available for when they come. And last, they need to learn. The, their dictation deadline, which is the date that their pre-sentence report draft is due to their supervisor. And then this will give you and your attorney a baseline of how fast things need to get done. And it's important. And after they speak, your attorney has gotten over, over the phone or in person a general idea of their strategic defense ideas through to your probation officer. Generally speaking with them, it doesn't have to be said that a little effort goes a long way. Consider your attorneys going to consider presenting your entire view of the case after they speak with the probation officer in a clearly in a letter format as soon as possible. Then if they feel the probation officer is receptive to a variance, this may be key to convincing the court to consider a sentence below the guideline range. Consider presenting your entire view of the case clearly in a letter to the PO, probation officer, as soon as possible, because this will help get your message on the record and into the pre-sentence report. That's a big deal. And again, as probation officers are very busy and doing their best and never have enough time, they may actually appreciate some of your efforts in helping to ease a small portion of their workload. Remember, a little thoughtful effort goes a long way. The probation officers write the official pre-sentence report. With that report, they're going to go ahead and recommend to the judge how long you should be sentenced and potentially make a placement request. But the judge ultimately makes the final decision. The Bureau of Prison Administration, who's never met you, will treat that pre-sentence report as a Bible. And they're going to designate you to the prison that they feel is most matches your needs. Your team, unit team, and case managers, correction staff, psychologists, med medical will refer to it throughout your stay. Part of your visitation list will be determined by it. 
regarding what you read about you yourself when you do a Google search, are you happy about what the Department of Justice narrative story is? About what they their narrative of who you are and what they've released to Google about you? If you're not, then it's time to start working on your narrative so that you can help change theirs. That's very important. So how do you do this? Your narrative is going to take every inch of the three months, and it may take much longer if you have the time. It's going to have to goes back. It's first person. It's your story. It starts from when you were a child, your parents growing up all the way to today. Included in that is expresses your remorse for the victim's understanding of their pain and how it's impacted them. Agree with the court as to the seriousness of the crime without minimizing it and expand on this topic. What in your life brought you to this moment and what happened that caused you to do this? You're going to need to expand on this and get salient points. You know, there may be salient points from your childhood that impact what you say here. You can't get feedback from a relative or family member. They're too close to you. It need to be someone else, like a consultant, attorney, someone with this skill. If there was a trigger, what was that trigger? And how do you remove it from your life? It will be a slow start, and it will be long. I mean, don't worry about as long as it takes. It can be four pages. It can be 400 pages. But as you edit and re-edit it, when it's complete, you're going to be a different person with a unique personal narrative or story to tell to the judge. Because now it's your story, unique and honest. And as an aside, I'll jump in. It's been 12 years for me, 13 years. It's taken me that long just to think about this and realize that I'm the one that self-inflicted my own wound. I'm sure there are other people that I can say they did it. But ultimately, I self-inflicted my own wound. It's my problem. What has this experience taught you? Did it bring up moments from your past? Explain to the judge that you, if you only if you have a plan, you start making it right with those you have victimized. If you don't have a plan, don't say you do, because he's going to want to know. What is your plan to never reoffend? And you will never, and also let them know that you'll, you never will be back in their courtroom again. You respect the judge, you just don't want to see him. Meanwhile, there are things that you're going to be doing at the same time, in addition to your personal narrative. You have to be collecting copies of all of your medical records. That's everything. All hospital records, laboratory blood test records, all x-ray reports, CT scans, MRI scans, ultrasounds, PET scans, and any other kind of test that you've scanned that you've had in, in a written report. And then they do them nowadays on CDs. Any copies of surgery reports, all of your physician information, name, address, phone number, website. Any all prescriptions for medications. If you're going to self-surrender, 
maybe I mean I think you go to you go to prison with I brought a month supply. You can bring three weeks supply of medications. At worst, they throw them out. At best, they send them over to pharmacy and they let you use them. If you if you surrender during a holiday or weekend, there's a greater chance they may let you use them. Medical devices, you need copies of those prescriptions. All of this takes time. Medical practices and hospitals are busy. Don't wait till the last minute. Other records you're going to need, educational. What's the highest diploma you ever received? Military, copies of all of those diplomas. A branch, discharge, character reference letters. Refer These are letters regarding your character for people who have known you. Doesn't have to be a senator. It could be a guy that cuts your grass. There's somebody in clergy, a teacher, a neighbor. Someone that knows good deeds you've done. You've helped someone next door with groceries. You've shoveled a neighbor's driveway. You worked at a food kitchen. Whatever it may be, be it's community service. All of this can help in character reference letter. Doing community service can also help, especially, you know, before court, if you're not doing, if you're a white-collar guy and all of a sudden you have to stop, don't do nothing. Either get a job delivering pizza pie or do service at a food kitchen. Work references. Judges love to see good work ethic and good work references. Original birth certificate, social security card, driver's licenses, etc. Of significant importance in your life regarding the BOP. For bottom bunk, if you pass medical history, shows back problems, neck problems, shoulder problems, vertigo, tinnitus, which is a ring in your ears. That may relegate you to a bottom bunk. For diabetic or soft shoes or soft sneakers. <clears throat> Past medical history of a torn Achilles tendon, heel pain, knee pain, hip issues, diabetes, someone with vascular disease. Personally, I'm not a fan of the rigid institutional boots, safety shoes. Safety shoes are one thing. Having a steel toe plate is a no-no for anybody who has vascular problems. For one, the shoe is so rigid that it can almost cut into you as what can the steel, the steel toe. Two, the most important part of the shoe is not the toe plate. It's the cushion that doesn't exist on institutional rigid shoe boots, institutional boots. At least in 2006, that didn't exist because it was flat and hard, and I had to make do on my own. Being of a certain age, certain weight, having a hernia could result in either a lower bunk or getting a get job where you don't have to stand for long periods of time. Once the pre-sentence report is beginning to look finished, you have things that you need to review. This will be the victim impact statement. They're going to have to review. They're going to be, they're allowed to speak. Then you need to read it. The offense conduct statement. This is what the probation officer reads from the prosecutor that you did. Well, make sure it's true. Then there's scoring. Now the, pro the scoring numbers the probation officer is going to do, but your attorney should be doing them also. There's a criminal history score. There is a offense level score. 
Both of these deal with uh, United States sentencing guidelines because it, the, thir- the next thing is offense level versus criminal history, which is how the judge is going to sentence you to a length of time in prison. And that's where he gets those numbers. Then there's public safety factors and management variables. This is how what the Bureau of Prisons uses. <laughs> and all of these variables should be able to review with your attorney. Offender characteristics. This comes through the conversation that you had with your uh, probation officer during your probation interview. And this includes what the Department of Justice has released to, if the, what the Department of Justice has released to the press is not true, not 100% accurate, here's where your personal narrative can change that. And so it's time to get that done. And then after a dozen or so rewrites, you then get placed that into this part of the pre-sentence report. Familial history. This is going to include whether you're married, parents are alive, children, parents, grandparents, if you have responsibilities as a sole caregiver. Your physical condition. Again, this will all be from your medical information you've already presented. But if you've had back pain, hip pain, knees, shoulders, this could lead you to a bottom bunk. Diabetic vascular disease, Raynaud's, could allow you into soft shoe or sneaker. Your medical health, mental health, physical health, emotional health, all of this should be generated already through your information you put together from, from the medical records you've collected. So all you need to do is review this section to make sure it's accurate. Substance abuse. No matter what your lawyer says, even if he says, I know the judge, don't worry about it, fill it in if for the year prior to the arrest, you used either alcohol a lot or either drugs, which are either over-the-counter, legal prescription, or illegal within the 12 months prior to the arrest, this RDAP or drug use drug abuse program can allow you up to up to one year off the sentence. And so it's worthwhile having that all prepared because if in fact you want to attend that class once you're in prison, it's a pretty big lift to get this added in later. After the fact, if you already have it there, it doesn't affect anything. Education, vocational skills, we've already touched on this. Here's highest educational level you've ever achieved. Um, you're, You're gonna have that diploma. Otherwise, you're gonna be required to get a GED in prison. If you, ha- if you are expert with comp- computers and networking and building and whatnot, I would leave all that out as administrators don't like to see that. Military, you want copies of your highest branch you've achieved, any honors, discharge, employment, as we've already said, judges love to see good work history. So the investigation from the probation officer will talk to previous employers. Financial records, they're going to want to see all of your financial records, which we'll go into momentarily. But if you have restitution or a fine, 
the Congress and the BOP now require they have a financial responsibility plan that you pretty much have to belong to. And so at your first unit team or case manager meeting, you need to offer to or say you want to participate in the FRP plan. And if you have little to no money coming in, then offer $25 or $50 every quarter or $25 every month, which is $75 every quarter, something like that. There has been, I learned recently, we're in December 2022, that a judge recently put into the order that the defendant had to pay $25 a quarter. Otherwise, possibly your lawyer could ask the judge to write into the order if any financial responsibility payments can be delayed till after the defendant is done with or is done or has left the Federal Bureau of Prisons, has been released from under the Federal Bureau of Prisons. Additional documents that may be needed will be birth certificate, we've already touched on, divorce decree, immigration papers, immigration card, employment verification, verification pay stubs, income tax records for the last three years, Character reference letters, not letters that tell the judge not to, I'm not going to go ahead and uh, don't put him in jail or anything like that. If you get 10 letters or 20 letters, maybe use six or 10. <clears throat> Marriage certificates, car registration papers, medical reports, you already have them. Met military disability form, C number. You want to have that military discharge certificate. We've touched on that. Naturalization papers. You want to have copies of your social security, driver's license, birth certificates, etc. Proof of residence, rent, property, mortgage papers, etc. School diplomas, highest level of school that you've ever achieved. Then when you get your official percentage report, review it for accuracy before the sentencing hearing. Because by that point, you and your your the attorney, your attorney and the probation will have to each confer back with the probation officer to fix whatever you feel is inaccurate. And last something we say is that going to prison is temporary. It's gonna it's gonna stress your feelings of being uncomfortable a lot, but it's temporary. You don't want to get in trouble, which means you don't want to get any infractions. It means no cell phones, no iPhones, no using somebody else's cell phone or iPhone. Because if they find a phone number, they can track it back to someone on your phone list. Even if everything is done right that we've talked about, the judge may still not change any of his sentencing and placement decisions. Still, it is still imperative and almost a home run to now have your personal narrative entering the Federal Bureau of Prisons because it will be a lot to encourage the staff at the BOP to work with you as you take the scoring exam and, and want to 
move forward with programming, your reentry plan that we will have discussed at another point in time. And as you move forward through your time there towards your release to looking for, forward towards early release, this personal narrative will all make those transitions that much smoother. I hope you found this helpful. Uh, my name is Mark Blatstein. My phone, 240-888-7778. I'm available. Leave a message. I return all of my own phone calls. The website, Physician Pre-Sentence Report Service, otherwise known as pprsus.com. I hope all of you have a good day and good luck.